earlier this year, we found a headline that stopped us in our tracks. I'll read it to you. The first social media babies are growing up and they're horrified. And I mean, when you think about it, of course they are. Kia ora, welcome to the summer edition of Newsable. I'm Imo. And I'm Jess. And I mean, of course they're pretty pissed off. Think about all the kids who we only know as memes and Facebook videos. And goodness me, think of what it's going to be like in 20 years' time and all these TikTok babies grow up as well. So who better to talk to about it than the journalist who wrote that article? Joining us now is Kate Lindsay from The Atlantic. Kia ora, Kate. Hi, how are you? Good, thank you. How are you going? I'm good, I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for being here. So you've spoken to people whose parents posted loads of content of them when they were kids. What did they tell you about the impacts of that? Yeah, so the first and kind of main focus of the piece is um, a, a young person named Kami. Um, she was a child probably in the late 2000s, early 2010s. Um, and her mother was not an influencer. Uh, she wasn't any type of public figure. She was just using Facebook like a lot of people do, um, very publicly, accepted tons of friend requests and would just share um, her day-to-day life, which kind of was mostly about Kami, her daughter. Um, but at the time, what kind of seemed just like a digital scrapbook um, came back to kind of have these unanticipated un- repercussions when sort of Kami grew up in all of this content of her, you know, as a child sometimes intimate health details, photos of her just kind of behaving in a way that when you're an adult, you wouldn't want to have easily accessible next to your name with just a Google search. Um, And so Kami is just one of um, a handful of people who have been expressing this feeling online. Kate, did they find it still affected their lives as adults, that they were still recognized if they were photographed as children? I'm sure that is a case for uh, the people who are children of more like prominent influencers. Um, and I think that's something we're going to see a lot of that, um, you know, and I, I've had the living in New York, I've had the experience of my, myself of like sometimes seeing a, a child on the street and being like, oh my gosh, I, I know that child from, so from Instagram, strange. which is very weird. Um, in the case of sort of the people like Kami, who I spoke to, it is it's less that they are still recognized online but more what sort of the oversharing online and the realization that it was oversharing um has kind of made them feel about about the internet now about their relationships with other people um they feel very protective of their image uh, of their privacy um and and also like in the case of Kami it was happening kind of in real time where um she was in high school and her mother was posting things about, like, you know, she, she uh, at one point had MRSA, which is sort of, you know, a, a condition that is contagious, but um, she didn't hadn't had it for a while, but her, her mother was posting a lot about it. And so even even when Kami was all better, uh, everyone at school had seen all these posts about this, her having this mm. condition, and uh, they didn't want to be near her. Her teacher even put her at a separate desk. This brings up interesting uh, questions about privacy uh, and your rights to privacy when you are a child. What what are those rights like in the US? Do they have any rights, privacy rights? So this is something I was trying to get to the bottom of the piece, and it's pretty complicated in the sense that for the most part, the the in terms of the law, the assumption is that the parents, the parental authority, kind of supersedes any of those other rights to privacy. Like there's this assumption that the parent is. Uh, is doing what's best for their children and, and is the one who has the right to make those decisions. Now, when it comes I. to posting like, medical right, conditions right. on Facebook, right. right. <laughs> now, when it comes to the platforms themselves, they do have obviously like blanket rules against, you know, outright illegal content of children. Um, 
or anything that would you know, appear to be abusive. There are no laws or really even guidelines about this more gray area stuff of like, you know, someone throwing a tantrum or or someone, you know, a parent oversharing about a child's health status. There are no rules against that because it does kind of fall into, it's not necessarily outright harmful at the time, but it's something we just don't know how it will age. So this isn't just a gray area legally, mm-hmm. then it also feels like a gray area morally almost. It's not mm-hmm. like pushing your kid into the limelight as a dancer or a soccer mum, for example. It it feels <laughs> that feels accidental. It feels more accidental, like you're excited about mm-hmm. having kids so you share those moments. That that's something that I wanted I uh, wanted to make sure I touched on in the pieces that I don't think parents posting content of their children are like villains or even doing it for nefarious motives. Um, there's a quote in there from an uh, an author who wrote a book called Mom Fluenced. It's about more sort of the traditional mom influencers we see, but um, but it is applicable in this scenario as well. Um, she was just saying, you know, when you're a parent, you don't get, especially in the U.S. You really don't get um, you don't get paid for it. You don't get performance reviews or bonuses. You really don't get any type of feedback that you that you're doing a good job, uh, other than the child itself. And so when social media, there's this platform in front of you where you can post sort of this proof of your work and get a bunch of people to like it and comment and say, "Oh, really cute." That is a validation that parents are pretty likely not otherwise getting mind associated with them. Is there a wider lesson in all of this just about how much we should and shouldn't be posting online, kids or no kids? Yeah, so I think um, there's there's a lot of, there's so many layers to this conversation. In terms of like broadly posting, I think one of the reasons why I felt this piece was interesting to write now um, is because of platforms like TikTok and even the way Instagram is shifting, um, social media is not about just connecting with your circle anymore. It's about broadcasting yourself to as wide an audience as possible. And so in the case of some of the examples, you know, you mentioned uh, TikTok children, those TikTok is not a closed loop. And it's really kind of impossible to make it a closed loop. When you post something on TikTok, you are kind of ceding control as to where that content goes. Um, And it could, you know, this photo of or video of, um, of a child or like we were saying, just anyone of yourself, you're, you're getting put in front of an audience that you have no idea. And it could be 100 people, it could be a 1,000, or it could be up in the millions. Um, and so that's definitely something that I think, as someone who grew up mostly on just person-to-person social media, I think even I have trouble conceptualizing that issue. But when it comes to children, um, I mean, I, I talked to the CEO of the uh, Family Online Safety Institute and their kind of blanket recommendation is just to keep things within a closed loop, keep it tight. But I think even just as important, I would say, especially because I don't think it's wrong necessarily to want to post your children on social media is that it's going, you need to now going forward, it needs to be something that you're, if you do choose to post your children on social media, that you're open to um, facilitating a conversation with them about as they get older and start to have um, this digital coming of age, which is something the piece references when they turn, you know, 10, 11, 12, they're going to start to understand what it means that there's content of them online and they may not react well to that and I think it's important now that sort of parents of this generation are open to being like okay like tell me what you want to have taken down or how you want to be posted differently it's just going to need to be a frank conversation something that children you know your children are allowed to make requests about um is going to be important thanks Kate that's all for the summer edition of Newsable I'm Jessica McCarthy and I'm Imogen Wells thank you very much for listening and we'll catch you next time Newsable. News that's worth talking about. If you liked it and reckon it's also worth supporting, 
Please make a contribution at stuff.co.nz support. If you don't have time to read the in-depth stories or you just prefer to listen instead, The Long Read From Stuff is the podcast for you. Each week we showcase one of our excellent pieces of journalism, telling important or entertaining stories from the world of crime, sport, history, culture and more. You also get to hear from the journalists themselves about how they uncovered the story and how it came to life. So for your weekly dose of long-form journalism, beautifully read, subscribe to The Long Read From Stuff wherever you get your podcasts.